Welcome to the Mogul Marathon Real Estate Podcast. We highlight keen investment insights and strategies so you can become a real estate mogul. Here's your host, Yannick Kujo Virgin. Hey guys, welcome to the Mogul Marathon Real Estate Podcast. I am your host, Yannick Cujo Virgil, and I'm so excited to have our guest today. If you're interested in getting into the short-term rental space or just taking your short-term rental business to the next level, then my guest today is an expert who can absolutely show you the way. And today, his name is TJ Tajani. TJ is an expert in the short-term rental real estate strategy. Since from buying his first short-term rental in 2017, his portfolio now consists of a mix of single family and multifamily properties that he buys, remodels, furnishes, and then turns them into full-time short-term rentals. He's also an expert in rental arbitrage, and I'm super excited to talk about that. Now he focuses on purchasing medium-sized multifamily, converting them into Airbnb boutique hotels, and he also educates and teaches others on how to grow their short-term rental business from six to seven figures. TJ, Man, appreciate it. Thank you so much, man. It's great to be on. So a little bit about TJ and I, you know, we met on Clubhouse like a month and a half, not a month, sorry, a year and a half ago. And this is when the rooms were on for like 24 to 48 hours, right? (laughs) We're really doing a marathon on there. And so I I don't think that that Clubhouse is uh, that long anymore. You know, I think people have kind of got fed up with the platform, right? I've heard your story and, you know, your story is just amazing from, you know, growing up, and, uh, you know, becoming who you are today in the in the short term rental space. And I've been able to see your growth. I am so excited to have you on the platform. So, TJ, why don't you uh, give the listeners today just a quick insight and story about who you are and how you got to where you are today? Man, I surely appreciate it, bro. Uh, so TJ Tajani, I am a real estate investor. You know, this short term rental strategy, I wasn't even necessarily looking for it. I lost my first one December 2017. And it's been short-term rentals ever since. But even prior to that, I was a traditional buy-hold investor. I wholesaled a lot. I was wholesaling in creative deals, sub-two deals, on a finance deals. I was in them. And I was came across a video about short-term rentals and how you can make more money on Airbnb than like your traditional rentals. And so I was like, wait, what is this about? I do traditional rentals. What is this about? So I tried it on my first one. It was a house I was executing a burst strategy for folks who don't know that's where you buy it ugly and then you make it beautiful and then refinance it cash out refi depending on your numbers and then you rent it out and so i instead of doing an exit with the traditional route i went ahead and decided to furnish it and make it a short-term rental property and i'm so glad that i did i never forget because this property was actually in an area that you wouldn't necessarily consider like, okay, popping. It's a highly gentrified, highly transitioning area, but I was concerned about the current state that it was at that time. And I wasn't going to run the play as a short-term rental. But then I learned something about doing that. I'm so glad that I did. I remember I listed that property and I didn't get any bookings that day, but I woke up the next day with two confirmed bookings. And that's when I said, okay, there's something here. Even if I'm only half the month booked, I'm 15 days out of the month booked. And even the rate that I was, because I was priced my unit, that first unit well below market. I said, even at that price point, I'm still looking to at minimum 2X what I would with a traditional rental, even after all expenses paid. So I said, you know what? There may be something to the short-term rental thing. And then it got scary. And it got scary because I heard that and I ended up learning 
that you didn't have to own these properties to make it a short-term rental. And I said, oh, wow, that's the play. You don't have to own them. And so then I was like, okay, well, I'll just do both. It wasn't even, it's always interesting when I hear conversations now and about the different strategies to get into short-term rentals and how people focus on one, because you can own these, you can arbitrage these, or you can co-host these. You don't have to own them or arbitrage. You can just manage somebody else's. And it was always intriguing to me as to why people can't do both. Because before anybody even told me that I could do both, I was already doing both. So what I would do is I would buy a property ugly. That's just like I have been fixing it up. And while I'm fixing it up, I'm securing leases, right? And so I'm just adding them to the portfolio. This is the same reason why I tell people, listen, the value in this business strategy, the value in short terminal as a whole is not in the OTAs. When I say OTAs, I'm talking about Airbnb, Booking.com, Airbnb, TripAdvisor, Expedia, these are OTAs, they're online travel agencies, they're marketing tools to help you market your property, but they're not necessarily the business you're in. The business you're in, where the value is in your business is in your infrastructure, the systems, the automations, the technology, the team that you have that gives you the ability to walk away from the job. This is why the same amount of time it takes me to run and manage five beds is the same amount of time it takes me to run and manage 55 plus beds. So coming from you know, young kid and from Nigeria, right? Born in Nigeria, moved to the United States when I was eight years old. We came here, my four siblings, so it's five of us and just my mom, right? Growing up in a one-bedroom apartment, things weren't necessarily easy. Ended up being the first in my family to go to college. Ended up having to put myself through college because my mom couldn't afford it. Also, couldn't get financial aid. Couldn't even get a loan because why? I wasn't a citizen at the time either. You know, it was always interesting where where people even have to <laughs> fix their lips to say, "Oh, TJ, you had some luck. You had some luck." <laughs> <laughs> it's always interesting when I hear that, you know what I'm saying? Because people don't even realize how much my back was against the wall. But it's always interesting mm. when your back is against the wall, the only direction to go is forward. And so that's what I decided to do. I decided to spring forward and, and put in the work. And I always like to say, the harder I work, the luckier I get, right? So, so <laughs> it's, it's, it's always really interesting. But yeah, it's been a heck of a journey. But this is the strategy that did change my life. It really is. And so now... And you mentioned in the intro, actually, right now, our business strategy is more so pivoting, right? We're not no longer going for landlords that just to get that one single family house or maybe just get that one apartment with that. No, we want multiple units in one central location, right? Am I saying that don't go out there and build a portfolio with a house here, a house here, a unit there? No, yes, do that. That's a great way. Run the bag up. Do it, do it. It's just the way our business is right now. We've done that. So right now we are more so pivoting to where we are building a boutique hotel brand. And that's what we want to do. And so now instead of more so because I understand that it's hard, it may be very hard to get into a market and just find old hotels, run down motels that you can just buy. And that may not necessarily be the case, but you have a way better chance of finding that apartment complex that you can buy and convert to a hotel, right? So that's the play that we're running right now, right? So we're buying these medium-sized apartment complexes. My buy box is anywhere between, I'll say, 15 doors at the minimum now and 50 doors. That's kind of that sweet spot for the boutique hotel style that works very well. And that's what we're doing right now. Right now, we're only in Houston, but we're also definitely planning on getting to multiple markets to run the same play. I think we share the same story from being an immigrant, I'm from Trinidad, right? And I came to this country when I was 10 years old and we came with a bag of clothes. Can you talk about a little bit about like how that transition from being an immigrant, coming with nothing, having to work your way up to where you are today, like how did that mold you to the person that you are today? 
I think it's everything. I think it molds me. Uh, I think that's actually why I am the way I am now. I think the amount of character that it forced me to build. There was a, because in college, because I was like top 5% of my high school class. So I had really good grades. And because of that, I was in like a college prep course. And the college prep course, they allowed us to go take trips on to universities in the cities. University of Houston. That's how I knew I wanted to go to that campus. Well, we actually had a special guest. He came to come speak to us about the campus and all that. And after he spoke, I went up to him. I said, hey, Mr. Woodson, hey, I want to go to school. I really want to go to college. Nobody in my family has been to college, but I want to do it. I have the grace to do it. I just don't have the money to do it. I got in the U of H, but they want me to pay out-of-state fees. And I'm already trying to figure out how I'm just going to pay the regular fees, but now they want to pay out-of-state, which is like four times the amount. Can you do anything to help me? <laughs> so he was like, no, I've never had somebody like came up to me wanting to like with that kind of ambition. He was the one who was actually able to help me grant to pay in-state tuition at the University of Houston. You know, having even that, uh, I had the initiative like even back then in high school, but the amount of the character building that went on during that process, because at the end of the day, it's always you could make moves or you can make excuses. I was sitting on a panel at the Clever Summit, and this is Cody Sperber's event. Came up and asked, and they asked him on the mic. He was a black guy. He said, man, um, I, when I talk to people, a lot of times I'll talk to a seller on the phone, and then when I get there, and they like me, then when I get there and they see that I'm actually who I am, and then they will kind of, you know, so you can tell that the energy kind of shifts. Yeah. Like, how do you avoid, like, what do you do to that? You know what I mean? And, of course, everybody in the panel looks at me like, do you, you want to take that? you want to take that? <laughs> So I'm like, okay, so I, I take the question. I said, well, at the end of the day, what choice do you have? Because, you know, yes, life isn't fair, but do some people get a better head start than you? Yes. And I told the story about how when I always get discriminated on when I was working in oil and gas, when I was work offshore, like I would always get discriminated on. I told a story about how when the police was called on me because I, I was flipping a house in a high-end neighborhood, they didn't believe that I was the owner of that property, right? So at the end of the day, though, what choice do you have? Because at the end of the day, if it's woe to me, woe is me for everything that's happening to me. The only, only other thing that you stand that you will get if you don't chase after your dreams, regardless, is that you're going to lose. That's a fact. Mm. So you're not just going to stay or you're going to stay there because what was you or you're going to use it and be like, OK, well, they got me messed up and I'm going to show up. Right. So the only other option is to go regardless of what's going on, regardless of how unfair things are. You have to keep pushing because the only other option is that you lose and you want to do that. So no. So you just keep pushing. And that's why at the end of the day, when my back was against the wall, I had no other choice. It was almost like there was no other choice but to spring forward. So, so yeah, it was a heck of a journey, man. But it's always interesting, you know, and you know, you, you dad, we Nigerians, we kind of had, had the same kind of, um, upbringing in terms of what we probably both struggle with, right? The bullying and all that, because we look different, we sound different and all that stuff. But I already know that we're popping now. So it's all good. (laughs) (laughs) That's the one thing that caught my attention. What you said was when your back is against the wall, the only way for you to go is forward. And kind of like my situation from going up, coming to this country with nothing, essentially, right? You kind of get a different taste in your mouth to move forward, to be that pinnacle stone in your family, to do things that your family has never done before and go places where your your family has never gone before. And for me, it was being able to lace those pads up in the NFL. I think for me and and probably for yourself as well, is that, you know, those little moments as a child or or what 
created the person who we are today because of the things that we have to go through. And that's, you know, sometimes how life kind of, you know, uh, comes together, right? It's what do you have to do when your back is against the wall? You know, how can you be resourceful with your resources at hand? Everyone starts at different levels, but if you continuously work at your craft every day and you have that swim or swim mentality, it's no ceiling to where you can go in life. Hey, listen up. If you're an employee, business owner, or professional athlete with money in the bank, earning 0% return, and you're thinking about passively investing in real estate, well, you need to check out our ultimate syndication guide for passive investors. This free guide absolutely covers everything you need to know about passively investing in real estate syndication or just real estate in general. If you want access to this valuable resource, go to MerlinAcquisitions.com slash Passive Guide to download the free syndication guide for passive investors. That's M-E-R-L-Y-N-N Acquisitions.com slash Passive Guide or head over to the show notes and click the link to download. Now let's get back to the show. So we're talking to what I consider to be an Airbnb expert. And we're living in a climate today where there are a lot of changing rules in Airbnb. There are a lot of red tape compared to where things were maybe two to three years ago. I just read an article about, you know, how Atlanta, I think they're limiting Airbnbs to maybe, you know, one or two or specifically in Baltimore where I am. I think the rule is, you know, you can only have one or two and then you have to be a resident in Baltimore. How does one get into the Airbnb space today when there's a whole bunch of red tape seems to be hindering someone from being successful in the space. Let's touch on that a little bit. Absolutely. And it's a very fair question. I think it's one of those questions that a lot of people are, are trying to figure out right now because there is a lot of things changing. A lot of shifts happening just in a couple of years. The landscape of the market wasn't necessarily as stringent as it is now. I want people to try to understand that you're a problem solver. As an entrepreneur, part of your job is to problem solve, not only to the people that you serve, but within yourself and your own company as well. And having that ability to continue to be a student of the game and being able to pivot is one of the most important things in being an entrepreneur. Now understand that there are multiple ways to get into this business. You can own your short-term rentals, which a lot of rules and a lot of regulations favor ownership. You can arbitrage it, which you don't have to own it. You can just lease it or you can co-host it. This also is called management, which means that you don't own it, nor are you renting it. You're more so just facilitating somebody else's right to do it. You're managing their listing for them. Understand though, what I teach people how to do is to build a management company, right? Which essentially is you're building a management company that way. Remember, that's where your value is. Your value is in your company, your infrastructure. Another reason why that's valuable is because no matter which way the deal comes from, whether you're able to analyze an own deal, whether it's an arbitrage deal or it's a co-host deal, Right now, the best short-term investors are dangerous at all three. They know how to build and scale their portfolio with all three strategies. So if you're in a market that says that, oh, you have to, you can only do a certain amount, you can only have a certain or have a certain amount okay, then it may be a good market for you to say, you know what, I'm going to build relationships with a lot of different owners and help them scale my business. And I'm going to scale mine by helping them manage theirs as individual owners, right? So you can look at it that way and still build a nice portfolio on a co-hosting side and uh, cash flow that way because and a lot of and something beautiful about that strategy is the fact that you actually don't have to come out of pocket. They are the investors. You're just managing their listing. And there's usually about a 75-25 split 
75 going towards the landlord owner and a 25 going towards the person that's actually managing and running it turnkey. And that number could always fluctuate depending on the level of service that you're providing that particular host. So there are multiple ways to get into it, right? And so if you're in a market that is okay and ideal for rental arbitrage, then yes, run the player rental arbitrage, right? And if you're in a market that say, you know what, hey, I, I can own some here. I could uh, run the player with short-term rentals because honestly, the value is in ownership. I tell people the end goal should be ownership at the end of the day because we get our best yields when we own them. Our numbers are amazing when we own them because we're not only buying them for short-term rentals, we buy them right. And it doesn't matter which way you exit your real estate deal. You make your money when you buy. So this is why when we buy our short-term rentals, we make sure that they will make money even in a traditional tenant in it. It has to cash mm -hmm. with a regular tenant. We look at the short-term rental income as icing on the cake. Massive icing on the cake, mind you, massive, but run your numbers as if that's just the icing on the cake That because you never know what could happen in your marketplace. We're talking about Atlanta right now. We're talking about different markets. We, we see some things about to go down in Dallas right now. So right now, it's always a good idea from an investment perspective. Don't say, hey, I'm buying this property. It's only going to be a short-term rental property, and that's what I'm buying it for. Great. But we'll make money as a traditional rental. If you needed to pivot, if you need to transition to student housing or maybe a long-term traditional tenant, will you be upside down? Or did you actually buy right? So these are the kind of things that we're doing and preparing. We're also, when you're looking to arbitrage, we still arbitrage a lot of deals. We still rent these properties as well. But what are we doing in our, in our clauses? We're saying that, hey, there's a lot of shift changing in the marketplace right now. If we need to pivot, understand that I should have free reign to exit this lease if I need to. If we're forced to, that's, not, that's out of neither of our control. Things like that, we're protecting ourselves that way as well. It's a lot easier to protect yourself when you're co-hosting because they're the host, you're just managing it. They're the owner. They're already going to make sure they pivot if they need to. Again, depending on the market, there's still a ton of markets out here that allow you to make money owned, arbitrage, co-host. There's a lot of markets out here for you to make a lot of money in. Do your research. If you are looking to get into this business, make sure that in the very beginning, you go on Google and you say, hey, short-term rental ordinances, type it out, and then your city or whatever city you're looking to get into and invest in. That's going to take you to the right website that's going to show you what governing laws currently cover short-term rentals in that particular marketplace. And you start there and then you go from there and that way you'll know how to approach that market. Then you start researching in the different areas and you stand, you can go identify a property, go look at the property, then it's a whole situation, hit it with the script, it's a whole thing, spread the shit, get that thing up and popping. It's now o'clock, but this is still a phenomenal, phenomenal time to not only to own real estate, but to seriously get into this business. There's never a bad time to get into this game. We show people how to do this business at a high level from a perspective of being a business owner. We are not just doing Airbnb. Understand, if you're just trying to do Airbnb, that's totally different than trying to actually build a long-term sustainable short-term rental business. There's a saying in business. It goes, if you treat your business like a hobby, it's going to cost you like a hobby. But if you mm -hmm. treat it like a business, it's going to pay you like a business. That's how we treat our short-term rental business going into it placing the value exactly where it should be, which is the foundation of your business, the infrastructure, and we're able to pivot if needed. Wow. That's a, a lot to unpack there. So from my understanding, from what you're saying is that within the Airbnb context right now, the ones who are actually winning in this space are able to make money from different strategies, whether it's owning and the rental arbitrage. Can you go a little bit more deeper for the listeners today to kind of learn a little bit more about what specifically is rental arbitrage, right? And is that a strategy that is for someone who doesn't have enough money to own, right? Because, because you know, at the end of the day in real estate, you know, and this is probably for all real estate, 
you want to own the properties, right? You want to have ownership. If you have ownership, you have control. And, you know, obviously there's appreciation and all those, you know, other benefits within the, the ownership realm. But for someone who is just trying to get into the real estate space and specifically short-term rentals, is the rental arbitrage space your starting point if you don't have enough money to own? And how do you find those opportunities? Absolutely. Rental arbitrage is definitely one of the great ways to get into this game. With rental arbitrage, you are more so the middle person, right? And if you know anything about business, you know that there's money to be made as a middleman. So you don't own these assets. You're renting these assets long term, and then you're reselling the use of these assets short term. But you are the long term tenant on these assets. And by the way, if you're looking to do rental arbitrage, really the short term rental business as a whole, you want to make sure that you're structured properly. Your entity mm. for your short term rental business should be a standalone entity that doesn't own any assets, that doesn't do anything else, right? You can't say, oh, I have an entity that does nails. Can I use that for my short term rental business? No, you can't. Okay. Get you a totally separate entity to run this because guess what? When we do these leases, understand we are doing long term corporate leases. These are going to be corporate leases. So that means the tenant on these leases is not your personal name. Now, I know a lot of people do that. It's easier to get qualified just renting it out of your personal name, pretending like you're going to live there and then doing Airbnb. We don't teach that. It's not ethical. Matter of fact, by definition, you're subleasing. By mm. definition. Guess what? Again, we don't just do Airbnb. The people that just want to do Airbnb, treating it like a hobby, they just want to just sublease the property. By definition, they're subleasing. Understand, if a entity is on that lease, it's understood that that entity can't live there. Somebody's going to be staying on behalf of that entity. If they want to prove you or they won't want to do business with you, or, uh, allow you to put your entity in it, then go find another opportunity. It's honestly not even worth it. <laughs> honestly, go find another opportunity because guess what? There is plenty out there. There are opportunities out there. Don't have the limiting belief. All right. Don't have that. There's opportunity out there. Okay. So with, with rental arbitrage, the most important thing, and I recommend people start trying to work with owner control properties. What I mean by that is your landlord properties. Maybe it's a single family home, maybe all the way up to like a 30 door, maybe a 50 door, whatever the case may be. You may have a good opportunity to get multiple units at once. My conversation is totally different. See, when I go do arbitrage, I need at least five. So somebody that's coming up to a landlord to say that, hey, I want to rent your property. And I'm coming to a landlord. I say, hey, we're, we're a short term rental corporate, we're a corporate housing company. We actually would like to see if we can take your whole floor over. Like we'd like to actually rent your whole floor. I mean, that's a totally different conversation. So this is these are the kind of properties of landlords that we target. And so the best thing that you can do is when you talk to a landlord, you're starting as a single family home, whatever the case may be, you need to be able to speak to the pain points of a landlord, understand the plight of a landlord. And trust me, coming from somebody who was a landlord, I can understand. I can tell you right now, rent payment, the rent going to be on time. How well the property going to be well maintained? How is the maintenance handled in that situation? What about insurance? Am I protected? Even if you're doing this corporate lease, how am I protected? These are pain points of a landlord. These are pain points that we speak to. These are pain points that we make sure that we address. Not only are we addressing it, we're solving it for them completely, right? Even when it comes to maintenance, we let them know, hey, matter of fact, we handle maintenance issues all the way up to $200. Anything above that, it will handle it and then we'll invoice you. We can take it out the rent, whatever the case may be, whatever you want to do. These are the things that just grind the gears of landlords, clogged toilets. Oh, the water is leaking, the secondary drain is clogged, whatever the case That's may be. the worst. That's the worst, right? That's the worst. So, <laughs> So see, stuff like that, man, we'll just handle it. We'll just let you know, hey, we had a water leak. Don't worry, it's handled. Our pay, we're our expense. We already paid for it. 
I mean, these are things that landlords would be like, oh, wow, okay, this is not only are they are they great tenants, they are perfect tenants. And that's actually what you want to position yourself as. Listen, I'm the best tenant you're ever going to have in your life. I'm the perfect tenant. Nobody's going to take care of this property where we are. Nobody's going to pay you rent on time the way we are. Matter of fact, here are automatic payments that we've paid to other landlords, right? If you have that, these are things that you want to make sure that you do. And understand, uh, this is the art of sales as well. This is also a sales, <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Way, this is also sales. So, and everything's off in negotiation. Usually when I do these leases, I'm like, hey, we're going to be a perfect tenant. Can you give us two months off the lease? Or can you give us a month off the lease? Whatever the case may be. Matter of fact, we'll do a two-year lease if you give us a month off. We'll, we'll lease. And you don't have to worry about vacancy for two years. You don't have to worry about vacancy for three years if you give us two months off. Whatever the case may be, like everything is up in negotiation. This is why it's always a good idea to position yourself on the control properties, landlords, instead of REITs. When I say, you know, for folks who understand REITs, these are your real estate investment trusts. These are your large apartment complexes. They're not as easy to arbitrage as they were before. <laughs> okay. Mm, how so? As time is gone, Airbnbs left such a bad taste in people's mouth. When people say, one of the things that you're going to find when you go talk to an apartment, they're going to say, oh, you, you just want to do Airbnb. You want to be on the Airbnb. Understand when they say that, just understand what they're really asking. Are you going to come with the riffraff? Are people going to be tearing up my property? Do you actually know how to screen your people that's going to be coming in here? So now- right. they- they have gotten a lot more restricted and stringent on their qualifications to do it right. Do you still have people that are pretending they just want to rent there to live and then doing mm-hmm. it? Right? Yes, you still have that. But in order to do it right, they've made the qualification process a lot more stringent. And this is because of the minutiae and the monotony, everything that has happened within Airbnb and the news or everything that you hear, um, the trash. The, and they've probably had a bad experience with somebody renting their property to do Airbnb. A lot of these apartment companies have had bad experience. That's how they know they don't want it because mm-hmm. they might have tried to fly under the radar. They did not provide a good experience for them. And now they mess it up for a lot of the people who are actually trying to do a legitimate and grow a legitimate business. And so uh, still approach apartments. Do I say don't approach apartments? Absolutely not. Approach them, talk to them. Um, some opportunities, there are different apartment complexes, different REITs have different requirements. There's still a lot of good opportunity. Honestly, what I would target is new ones that are under construction, maybe some that are on the way. You see some that's coming up. They're about to launch the apartment pretty soon. That's the time to get in there and talk to them and tell them who you are, what you do, who you serve. Matter of fact, in our program, we have a legit business plan. It's called a perfect tenant business plan. And we like to give these to our landlords and our researchers to allow them to further. It, it allows us to further position ourselves to them. So these are things that you want to keep in mind. But arbitrage is a great play. I think it's still viable. This is something that you can still definitely do. I understand that short-term rental rates are up just nationwide um, on average 20%. You know what I'm saying? So understand that there are still tons of opportunity here. The best yields are when you own it, of course, but arbitrage is a great way to scale. You can still earn tons of great cash flow with that. Earn great cash flow even co-hosting and managing other, other people. So lots of things to be committed. That's great. So it seems like, you know, for someone who's trying to get into the short-term rental space that, that may not have a lot of capital, but, you know, is interested in getting into that rental arbitrage is an amazing opportunity to do so. Specifically, when you're starting off, the, the main thing that seems like you want to do is just establish credibility as quickly as possible, right? Because, you know, these properties are, are not cheap. And I would imagine that landlord, just like myself, right? If anyone was to, was to approach us about maybe, let's say, our 22-unit deal, right? To do, you know, corporate lease or just, you know, approach anything Airbnb-wise, right? Natural instincts would 
probe me to think about, you know, hey, is someone going to damage my property? Like, am I going to get the rent? You know, all these sorts of questions. But I think probably from what you're saying as well, from what I'm gathering is that, you know, approaching some of those mom and pop operators where you can probably control the deal, right, a little bit better compared to, let's say, some REITs or really, you know, big, large apartment complexes that might have a little bit more red tape. And, you know, when there's more red tape, there's more <laughs> friction to what's actually closing the deal. So that's kind of what I'm gathering. You mentioned something that's really interesting, right? You know, over the past 12 to 24 months, right, we've had COVID, obviously, right? And, you know, a lot of our listeners are folks who are also interested in the commercial real estate space, right? Specifically multifamily. And, you know, for us, you know, we experience some delinquency like other commercial real estate owners, multifamily owners. So are there opportunities? And I think you touched on it as well. Are there are opportunities for a landlord of a you know multifamily complex, right? To increase their revenue. In terms of revenue, we're talking about NOI, right? Mm-hmm. Which is how properties are, are valued. Is there an opportunity in today's landscape for someone to, you know, take on some of these Units. Let's say if you're in your, your properties might be a little distressed, right? You might have a couple of tenants that are, you know, that you might have to evict, and you're trying to figure out exactly what you want to do with these units, or you're looking for, you know, more revenue opportunities that would obviously increase the value of your property in commercial real estate. Is that something that you do, or you you're seeing it in the market right now from that perspective of bringing that value to, you know, multifamily operators, arbitrage perspective as well? Absolutely. And they're approaching it two different ways. They're saying that they're, you know, running the play themselves. I mean, you know what? I'm a, I'm a segment, a few of my units. I'm going to run this play on short-term rentals. They might try one. They might try a few. And then seeing that, seeing how well it goes, they might convert more of the units. We've seen a lot of multifamily owners to, to do that. Uh, one of the things that is becoming really, really popular is the boutique hotel conversion, right? With these medium-sized multifamilies, some people are doing a complete overhaul, kind of modeling after that boutique hotel model as well. And some are just being more open, being more intrigued with the strategy, allowing other operators to just rent it from them because other operators that are good. Because honestly, if you have a good operator that's actually going to do what he says he's going to do, not only will your cash flow be more stable because they are going to be on time, your properties are going to be well maintained because it has to show for them for every single person that comes in there. A lot of landlords and apartment complex owners are also not only running the play on a portion of their units, a portion of their portfolio, but also allowing other hosts to rent their property out to do short-term rentals as well because they like them as tenants better, um, honestly. So absolutely, I think multifamily owners are taking advantage of the short-term rental space in various ways, actually. That's great because for us, it's, you know, predictability of income, being able to have that on your rent roll or have that income that's steadily coming in, because obviously that's how, you know, properties are valued. And how long are these leases usually typically on, on these corporate leases, let's say on a, on a multifamily property? What are you typically doing in, in your business? Yeah, yeah. We're typically doing two years. We typically like two-year leases because a lot could change in three years. We have some three-year leases, especially because during COVID, you know, it's interesting during COVID, we were able to lock in some really, really good deals because we're able to lock in like three-year leases because these apartment complexes were hurting during COVID. And so we said, hey, we know you got a lot of vacancies. These were units that we usually go for around 2300 We lock them in for 1700 three-year leases. This is why people understand when it's chaos, there's opportunities. 
Okay. And we definitely took advantage of that as well. We're actually able to ask. That's one of the ways we're able to add units in our portfolio during COVID when a lot of people were shut down. So 100%, like, you know, it's one of those things being able to, we usually do two-year leases, but we've had some that are three-year leases. But it's interesting. One thing that I did not consider, we did a call with our coach, with our coaching students, with Roland Frazier. I'm not sure if you know who that is, but he's one of the top leading experts in buying businesses and selling businesses. And he showed people how to buy businesses with leveraging OPM. He, we had him on as a special guest and he was educating us on how building a business for that's poised for sell that a sellable business where you could do an exit, a full exit or a partial exit. Because understand, especially in this space, we in the short term rental space, we do not think about an exit at all. We just think about, hey, I want to get to the back. I want to get to the cash flow as fast as possible. We're not thinking about an exit. So when I asked them and I said, hey, what is one of the things that we can be doing even from an arbitrage perspective? Because understand, this is another reason why you want to have your entity that is for your short-term rental business that's not tied to anything, doesn't own any real estate. Matter of fact, the ones that I own are owned by a separate entity. And in my short-term rental business, it's own separate entity. So you can actually sell just the business and still keep the real estate. That's another reason mm. why you separate it, right? So that's a play. Can you say that again one more time? And if you're structured properly, if you're structured properly, you don't have to sell the entire thing. You don't have to sell a package deal. You can have your short-term rental business and you can have your real estate business that owns the real estate. And guess what? Every single one of my units that I own, my short-term rental company leases it from this business. Hmm. Arbitrage from ourselves. Okay. And we do that for very strategic reasons. One of the reasons is we're thinking about an exit. We place a lot of value in our real estate assets. That way we can sell just the business if we want to and still keep the asset. That way the company that purchased the business still pays us rent every month. Okay. Mm, mm. See, I think about that. When you talk about that, my mind is just like going crazy, right? Because how I think about that is nothing different from a master lease on a property, right? Being able to own the property and then also controlling the lease as well. And, and a lot of times as investors, we oftentimes think think about the now, right? How can I get cash flow today? How can I increase my net worth today? But I'm 29 years old, right? I, I'm probably not going to be running around as, as fast as I can right now when I'm 70, right? Or, or, or even 50, right? And so being able to structure that exit strategy up front is, yep. seems like it's so crucial you know, to your business right now, because at the end of the day, this is all a bunch of hard work, right? And so that's an amazing, what I call a mogul tip of being able to project that, you know, uh, exit now in today's market and, 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 you know, setting yourself up for the future. Let me ask you a question. So there are a lot of people out there that are trying to get into the Airbnb space, right? And it seems like there's a lot of coaching programs or different uh, educational resources and a lot of excitement about short-term rental. You know, is Airbnb too oversaturated today? <laughs> you know, it's always funny when I hear about the oversaturation uh, question and the, and the mindset around oversaturation. Um, I, I think people should understand that, you know, when it comes to that topic, it's interesting. I don't even notice it's weird. I don't even notice because we're so dialed into what we're doing and we're so dialed in on making sure that we provide a certain type of experience for every guest that's tested foot into our property. We're so dialed in and making sure that our reviews are on point. And when you that dialed in, it's almost like it doesn't even matter what's going on around you because now you're building your own brand. Another thing that we are doing, we are not succumbing ourselves to a single point of failure. We're not only lying 
on Airbnb, VRBO to make our money. We're building our own database. We want by year two, our boutique hotels should be at least 50% direct bookings, right? These are people that have booked with us that keep coming back to stay with us. These are people that have booked with us, love their experience and refer our, our places to other people. So when it comes to that oversaturation market, understand that still about 30 to 40% of people that book on Airbnb still their very first time using the platform. Still their very first time using the platform. So it's always interesting when people say, hey man, why are you teaching this? Aren't you creating more competition for yourself? Well, no, because understand that who's the real competition? The real competition mm -hmm. is we literally have to fight in these battles that we did with the city, with this whole lobbyist issues, which is the hotels, because we provide such a different experience for them. But understand that there's still people that get into this business that don't know what they're doing. They don't know how to provide the screen against properly. They don't know how to provide handle security issues. And so they're not providing a good experience for the guests as a result, as a, as a consequence, not providing a good experience for that landlord if they're arbitraging, that apartment complex if they're arbitraging, that landlord if they're co-hosting as well. And so, you know, there's still a ton of people who still need to have a good experience. So I tell people there's no shortage of good hosts. Matter of fact, we need them. <laughs> we need more good ones, unfortunately, than more people that are just trying to earn a quick buck on the platform than people who are actually trying to grow a legitimate business. Most 80% of the people, I think it's got to increase a little bit, probably about 75% of Airbnb listings right now are just by individual owners, people that have one or two listings. A very few are actually people who are actually doing this business at a high level, growing a legitimate business, right? And we need more of those people. Uh, there's way too many people not doing it right. So that's why I don't even pay attention to saturation. You shouldn't pay attention to saturation. There's a ton of opportunity out there. There's so many people that are exiting this business every day. Of course, there are people entering this business every day. But if you focus on your experience, what you provide the guests, trying to your way of standing out, your way of being unique, understand that saturation will be something that you won't even have to worry about. How I look at it is that, you know, all markets are going to have some sort of competition. You know, you definitely want to stick to your core investment fundamentals of investing in markets that have some sort of supply demand, you know, pendulum where the demand swings in, in more in your favor. But I, the way that you broke that down brought me to the concept of, you know, let's say a company like Apple. Did Apple just give up and say, oh, there are too many cell phones in the market, right? They hunkered down on, on their product. They put great product out there and then just created that customer experience and created that brand, like you said, to establish themselves in the market to whereas they are the, you know, the likely the top or the number one cell phone company in the world, right? Who doesn't have an iPhone? And from your response, that's how I think about that question, right? When someone says, is it too oversaturated? You know, what brand are you creating for your company? You know, are you able to attract those reviews that, you know, would bring those, that clientele, right? Are you able to put out good product out there, you know, similar, just like the multifamily space, right? Your product is going to reflect your success in this business. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's pretty great. So at this time, you know, we usually ask the guests, you know, two other questions that, you know, I think our audience would really love to know, you know, more about you. The first question is, you know, if you had to start this interesting journey of just coming to this country at eight years old, what would you do to start this marathon over? If you had a choice to take a time machine back and you, you had to start this whole journey over, you know, what would you do differently that would contribute to your success today? Man, I wish I could see that everything is going to be okay. <laughs> you know, 
don't see it when you're that young. You don't see it when you're in it. When you're in the trenches, you don't want to be around people because of how much they talk about you. Like that was always the, what consumed my mind. I didn't. I wish I started reading sooner. You know what I mean? Uh, I would tell myself that look, it's gonna be fine. Start learning, right? Start learning those mistakes. They're okay. You're gonna learn from them. You know what I mean? You know, one thing that I would tell that I would do differently is to embrace the journey, right? Because mm-hmm. I. I wanted to grow up too fast. And I wish I can go back and tell myself that actual joy is in the journey. I was so worried about the destination growing up. You know what I'm saying? I wish I could go back and tell myself that for sure. Now, that's something that I always challenge myself to think about as well, right? Because yeah. we live in a world where everything is so instantaneous and everybody wants everything done yesterday. The world is just moving so fast today, right? With social media and everything that's going on at the palm of your fingertips. But being able to sit back and just breathe sometimes, right? And just enjoy the journey and enjoy the success. You know, that's something that I learned, you know, in my sporting career is that, you know, when I was in the NFL, a veteran told me, hey, hey, rookie, this game is a marathon, not a sprint. And if you're able to create the systems, like you mentioned early on in your business, have that exit plan, you know, lined up up front instead of just running, running today and not appreciating and understanding the journey and understanding that there is you know, an end to this at some point, but it can all be great if you just understand where you're going, you know, you enjoy the journey and just enjoy the process. And right. And that's what this podcast platform is all about. Another question is, you know, what's one thing that you do well today that contributes to your success in real estate? I got really good at building relationships. One of the best things that happened to me was in college, I was given an opportunity to teach and in that, I realized that I actually like teaching. Um, I actually like it, but I never wanted to be like a teacher in a classroom. So I'm excited because now I get to teach what I do. Now I get to actually teach real estate. I get to be on conferences and speak and add value to tens of thousands of people. Right? I get to host my own conference and teach and bring people in that have different skills at different entrepreneurship sectors and have them teach as well. So building relationships is something that has been the game changers, low key to cheat code, <laughs> low key. Uh, I tell people it's always who, not how. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I think modern society, I think our educational system teaches us that when we have a goal that we want to achieve, the question we ask ourselves, oh, how do we achieve this goal? When in reality, the question we should be asking is who can we leverage to help us achieve this goal? Right. Mm-hmm. So it's always who, not how. And I think my ability to build relationships and connect with people, my energy uh, helps me out a lot in my journey, for sure. That's great. And it's all about your network in this business. We can't do everything alone, right? I'm sure you're not the one that's picking up the phones, answering, you know, responding to, you know, guest inquiries. You know, there's something going on at the property, right? You're you're probably at the CEO level, just coordinating and, and watching everything, right? And you wouldn't have done that if you didn't understand the power of leverage, and, you know, utilizing other people's skills and expertise to get you to where you are today. So for someone who is trying to learn more about you, learn more about, you know, your, your coaching platform, learn more about anything that has to do with short term rentals, you know, how can our listeners, you know, stay in tune with you and, and follow you in the real estate space as you continue to grow and, and help others grow as well? Definitely, definitely tap in with me. I uh, heavy on Instagram at TJ Tijani, at TJ T I J A N I. Also be on the lookout when the podcast is dropping soon. The YouTube channel is dropping soon, so be on the lookout for that as well. I'm super excited about that, so stay tapped in. 
I mean, I'm always posting dope content about short-term rentals. And uh, of course, if you send me a DM or my somebody on my team will get with you. Uh, if you want to book a call, you can definitely book a call with me. We can chop it up. We can let you know about how we can help you not only get to the bag in this business, but help you create a long-term sustainable short-term rental business that's going to create that financial freedom in an automated fashion. Okay, it has to be automated. That's, how, that's the only type of business that I like to build. So tap in for sure. That's amazing. So TJ, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you to all the listeners that tuned in to us today to the Mogul Marathon Real Estate Podcast. This was an awesome show talking about rental arbitrage, short-term rentals, the laws, how to be a mogul in this space. TJ is the absolute authority. So TJ, thank you so much for tuning into the show. And remember, real estate is a marathon, not a sprint. Thanks again, TJ. I appreciate you, brother. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.